0: The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good
1: morning. This morning's scripture reading is from Psalm 107. Psalm 107. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then he cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two with the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of his inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruity yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through opposition, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hey, Park Church family, I hope you're well. Uh, my name is Gary. I'm one of the pastors here at Park Church. Really looking forward to getting into Psalm 107 with you all. But before we do, I want to take a minute and show you a short video from a friend and a pastor in Mexico City named Leonel Pacheco. Uh, Leonel and his wife Mirna and their two sons, they have two sons, Emmanuel and Leonel, um, have uh, been a part of a church plant in the heart of Mexico City for the past several years. And we formed a partnership with them through Redeemer City to City. So City to City is a church planting network that's trying to plant gospel-centered churches that have a heart for the city in major metropolitan cities around the world. And so we're partnered with this church, Fuente de Redención, which is in Mexico City. We had a team that went down there last year uh, to visit Lionel and Mirna and the the people of the church family there, just to build friendship, to grow in their relationship, to worship with them, spend time uh, growing together in the partnership that, that we have now. And it was a really beautiful time. They just really enjoyed getting to know this family and this broader church family and seeing what God's doing uh, in, in their church community uh, in this time. And so our plan was for Leonel to come and to preach this service. He was actually going to be here in Denver with his family and he was going to be preaching Psalm 107, but because of some of the restrictions around travel right now in this season, that wasn't a possibility. Um, So he made this video for us, for us to get to know him, his family, and the church and what they're doing in Mexico City. So we hope you enjoy it, getting to know Lionel and Mirna and the church Fuente de Redención. It's exciting to see what God's doing through this family and their church family in Mexico City. So we just wanna take a minute and pray for them, thank God for them, and ask him to pour out his grace on them. Let's pray together. And God, we wanna say thank you. Uh, Thank you for Lionel, thank you for Myrna, thank you for their family. Thank you for Fuente de Redencion and all of the people of this church community, our brothers and sisters in Mexico City. We're grateful for what you're doing in the city, all around the city with really beautiful movements of your grace and your spirit, seeing the gospel proclaimed, people redeemed and transformed from death to life, seeing people come to life and learn what it means to follow you and to be a light in the middle of Mexico City. So we just thank you for them. Thank you for the partnership we have. Thanks for the friendship uh, that we're creating. God, would you deepen our our friendship, our fellowship in the gospel uh, as a church family in Denver and in Mexico City. We want to see all the nations be glad. We want, we want the nations to be glad and to sing for joy because of your kingdom and your reign and your saving love. So we, say, we pray that you pour out grace on them, fill them with peace, fill them with your love, fill them with power from your Holy Spirit. And in this moment for us, would you also fill us with peace, remind us of your love, fill us with power from your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. I'm excited about Psalm 107. I've spent the past several days just kind of like thinking about some of the messaging in Psalm 107. It's actually hit me in some pretty, pretty profound ways. Um, one, of the, one of the things that people have asked a lot in this season, it's a little bit different than kind of before COVID, but people ask this question, hey, how are you doing? And you know, the standard answer to that question, hey, how are you doing? The standard answer is, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And COVID, it's a little different though because if you say, hey, how are you doing? And just your default kind of knee-jerk response is, hey, I'm good. Well, you know, not, not good, but I mean, considering COVID and all that's happening in the world, you know, I, I guess I'm doing okay. Uh, and I kind of, every time people ask me the question, how are you doing? I'm just like, good, I think, I'm not sure. And I've just started pausing as people have asked me that question. My, my honest answer right now over the past several weeks has been, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm slowing down enough in my own life to pay attention to how I'm doing. I feel kind of fine, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always on the go right now. And I'm always on the go, not necessarily because life is so busy and there's so much to do, but because I'm kind of busying my life with things to do. And I'm not doing a good job slowing down to actually attend to how I'm doing. And I've watched this sort of work itself out in my life in a a ton of different ways. Um, But one of the things I've I've noticed, and my wife has been joking, kind of making fun of me a fair bit about this, is every time I'm at home right now, it just seems like I'm finding some house project to do or weeds that need to be pulled or a closet that needs to be organized or a shelf that needs to be built or a shed that needs to be cleared out or stuff we gotta get rid of. And it just feels like I'm having a really hard time in the evenings or on the weekends, just, just being still. Being still, And I think that's probably two things. On one, one hand for me that's kind of an escapist type kind of movement for me. If I can kind of stay busy then I don't have to pay attention to sort of the busyness and the turmoil that's happening in my heart. Uh, but the other thing is I have this longing to create some sense of, of peace in the midst of what feels like such a chaotic time. I desire for our home or our yard or our kind of like space that we have to be some sort of oasis in the middle of a desert or or a place of calm in the middle of a storm. And so I'm like kind of spending my energy and spinning my wheels kind of as much as I can to try to create some sense of oasis, some sense of home. I want safety in the midst of a world of danger. I want peace in the midst of a world of chaos. I want a place where I can be accepted and loved in the face of a world that's filled with right now division and outrage and, and conflicting opinions and clashing kind of um, ideologies. I want a I place of calm and comfort where I'm accepted and safe and peaceful and there's clarity and there's organization. I, wanna, I want an experience of home. Actually, I long for this like feeling of being at home, just being able to kind of let down your guard, you're safe, you're secure, you're loved, you're provided for, you're home. And I think it's a desire that all of us have. It's kind of planted, it's hardwired deep within us. We long to have this experience of home ironically, because of stay-at-home orders and all the rest, like we're in a season where home doesn't even feel like home. Home can feel like a place that we're trapped in. Home can feel like a place that we can't escape. Home can feel like uh, something that's just all too familiar. We want some sense of adventure. We want some sense of, of change or, or dynamic differences that we can ex- at least experience different locations and different people and different relationships. But still deep within us is the desire for, for home. And it's actually a desire that's kind of right at the core of Psalm 107. Um, Psalm 107 is a psalm that was sung by the people of God after their return from exile in Babylon when God had restored them to the promised land, when he had brought them back home. Brought them back to this experience of life in the promised land with his presence. What their hearts had been longing for, for their 70 years in exile, he had brought them home. And Psalm 107 is a psalm where they're responding to God's kind of restorative love, his redeeming love, his steadfast, faithful love in the ways he delivered them from exile. From this experience of distance from safety, distance from acceptance, distance from comfort, distance from peace, in the midst of chaos and destruction and restlessness and wandering and guilt and shame and regret and feeling rejected, he actually brought them back home. And so they're singing a song about his redeeming love, his steadfast and faithful love. And I think it's really powerful and it's been powerful for me to see it over these past several years. Um, of days as I've just been spending time in this psalm, it's been striking me in a really profound way. And, And I hope what you'll see in this psalm is that Jesus actually has come to meet you. He's come to meet you in the midst of your experiences of exile. That, that what exile is and this experience of life separated from the presence of God is marked by all sorts of different kinds of brokenness. And even for those who have come to trust in God's saving love through Christ, we still experience these tastes of life in the wilderness and, we're, and we feel it in different kinds of ways. And this psalm goes into the, the ways in which we feel the realities, the distresses of life in exile. And, sees, and we see how God meets us in that place. And we actually humble ourselves, surrender to him, cry out to him. He meets us to bring restoration, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to bring peace, to bring security, to bring satisfaction, to bring joy, really to bring us into this experience of home. And so that's what we're going to see in Psalm 107. Um, If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up. The structure of Psalm 107 is really beautiful. Um, I have never spent a lot of time studying the psalm in the past and so I was really just struck by the beauty of the structure and, uh, and the kind of poetry and the parallelism uh, of the psalm and maybe that's just me as like a Hebrew nerd but I just like it's just a beautiful beautiful song. and, uh, and I hope you can see the, the beauty of it. So I'm going to frame it out a little bit for you just a little bit of the structure and then we'll dive into the ways in which God's meeting us in these moments. Um, so Psalm 107, starting in verse 1, one, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love, his chesed, his covenantal love, his commitment to us, his loving, faithful, relational, personal commitment to us as his people endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. And this is this image of him restoring people from exile, bringing people that have been scattered around the world, experiencing brokenness and lostness, and feeling the weight of their rebellion, and feeling the impact and the consequences of their rebellion against God through the exile. He's bringing them back home. And then what the psalmist is going to do is going to actually walk through four different movements talking about the experiences, the different experiences of what life in exile can feel like. And it's not like, which one of these are you? But there are probably different aspects of these that hit you in different ways. And those are broken up with these kind of, verse four, some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Look at verse 10, some sat in the darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. And then verse 23, and some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, these mighty works of God. And what were those mighty works of God? His wondrous works in the deep for he commanded and raised up the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heavens on this ship. They mounted up to the heavens and they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Um, the psalmist is bringing us into these experiences, the different ways that we experience the, the, the realities of life separated from the presence of God. And like I said, even for those that have come to to trust in Christ, we actually experience this home with him. And as much as we're trusting in him and we're walking in the spirit and paying attention to his presence, but we find ourselves often drifting back into the pains and the brokenness and the difficulties and challenges, the distresses of what life apart from the presence of God feels like. And that's what we see in the Psalm. And so the question I want to ask for you is this, where do you feel the distresses of life in exile? Where do you currently feel the distresses of life in exile? Uh, We were designed by God to experience life with Him, to know His love to feel accepted exactly as we are, to know that he designed us good. He sings over who he made us to be and we are designed to actually know his love and to be secure in his love and to trust his provision and to trust his wisdom and to trust his reign and to walk in his presence and then to extend that sort of love and peace and joy to other people in the kingdom of God. That's what we were designed for. But in the story of God and in our own individual stories, we reject his reign and in that rejection, we are separated from his presence. We're exiled from his presence, rejecting him as king over us, pushing away from his love and seeking to find and to be able to build some sense of home our own way. Using our devices, our agency, our time, our resources, our ingenuity, our cleverness, our whatever it is, to try to find security and acceptance and love and peace and stillness and joy and rest and comfort and provision on our own. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so the first thing we see in the psalm is that it talks about some wandered in the desert wastes, some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. So you experience this life separated from the presence of God and you're wandering in this life, which is like this desert, this wilderness, and you're trying as best you can to find some place to experience what, you're, what your soul longs for, an experience of home, that your soul is longing for this experience of home, a city to dwell in, to experience comfort and security and peace makes me think about this word that C.S. Lewis would use, it's Sehnsucht. Sehnsucht is a German word that Lewis would describe as an inconsolable longing for we know not what. Like something deep within the human soul that has this longing for what Lewis again would call like a far off country. Something that we know is out there, that something in our heart kind of feels these echoes of and the experiences of beauty around us and the sort of experiences of love around us. So we feel these echoes and we have these fleeting experiences of joy and we have these like tastes of glory and it kind of awakens in us this deep longing. And so even when we start pursuing these longings and things in the created order, the things we can do and achieve and accomplish and accumulate, when we start chasing after them, we get these little tastes, but the tastes are always fleeting. They're fleeting and then we look back on them with this sort of nostalgia about like, remember when we lived here and remember when we had these close friendships and remember when we had this security and remember when, and we kind of let those kind of trigger in us a desire for more and to chase after something else or to feel that the grief and the loss of what we had in the past, often romanticizing the past experiences, kind of stripping away the pains that we experienced even in those moments. And we have this desire. So even where you're faced with the disappointment of those desires or the unfulfilled longings, it doesn't make the longings go away. It typically gives us a a bigger craving for it. And that's what's happening in this section. They're longing for satisfaction. They're longing for a home. They're longing for food and drink and joy. And the way the psalmist describes it here in the passage is they're longing for their souls to be satisfied. And you are. So question I have to ask is like, are, are you right now experiencing this life in exile by, by chasing after some ability to find joy and satisfaction in this world? And in this particular season, especially with everything that's happened with, with COVID right now, we're kind of being disabused or disillusioned of the notion that we can do that here. We feel the inability to create a peaceful, satisfying life here and now and as painful as that is and I don't want to discount or diminish the pain it is a severe mercy Uh, it is something that reminds us that we can't find the satisfaction we long for in this world that we are made for a different world we are made for life in the kingdom of God The other thing that you could chase after is actually you could reject the reign of God and try to forge your own attempts to find life in explicit rebellion against his reign. You see that again in verse uh, 10. Some sat in darkness in the shadow of death. They were prisoners in affliction and in the irons. Why? They weren't innocent sufferers. They weren't innocent prisoners. It says, for they had rebelled against the words of God and they had spurned the counsel of the Most High. They had rejected his reign saying, your wisdom for life, your judgments and life, the, the way you've designed our lives to work in this world, to actually walk with you, to trust your love, to trust your reign, to trust the parameters and the guidelines you've given us for what flourishing life looks like. We're going to push outside of those because we don't trust your word. We don't trust your good. We don't trust that you're for us. And we're going to kind of trust our own ingenuity to do it our own way. And when we do that, we actually begin to experience the pain of that. and You experience regret, you experience shame. You experience guilt, and as soon as you start feeling shame and guilt and regret, we start trying to cover up that shame with things that we can do, things we can accomplish, things we can undo, and that shame can fester, and it can grow, and it can create in us dark, dark desires, dark compulsions, and you might just feel just trapped. You might feel trapped right now in guilt and shame, and in what you feel is this inability to kind of get yourself out of this bondage. And maybe it's jumping to compuls- uh, compulsions. Maybe it's workaholism. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's substance abuse. Maybe it's something related to sexual gratification and unholy ways. Maybe it's just related to distracting yourself and numbing yourself and just having a drink every night to kind of take the edge off of the weight of life. And maybe it's like in some of these ways, you're just pushing against God's design in different areas to try to find joys, trying, trying to find satisfaction, trying to cover up your shame, and you just feel trapped. Is that how you're experiencing life in exile? It also talks about, in verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways. And the the word foolish here is saying there are people in in a bent heart were bent on self-destructive methods, things that that you know are destructive, practices that you know are destructive. It's saying instead of trusting where God says life is found and running to God, I'm I'm gonna kind of stay bent on these kind of things that I know are destructive that bring destruction to my own life and to the lives of others around me. And that can happen in so many painful ways. So many painful ways. And then this last one I think is just stunning. It says, some went down to the sea in ships. And the image is that they are away from the presence of God. They're in these chaotic waters and the Lord brings these storms, these waves and the waves are carrying them up and crashing them down and their arrogance and their ability to do business and whether it's pursuing things out of a greedy desire or some sort of selfish ambition or greed, greedy ambition, like just trying to like do something that, that makes money and brings produce and, and doing it for their own gains and, and they felt like they had control over things. And I feel that right now. I feel this desire to get control of things. I feel this desire to kind of, kind of reign in the chaotic waters of life to tame the sea to grab the helm and to kind of find my way through the the chaotic waters and finally it says they were brought to their wits end that the storms waves that the Lord raised up were so intense so steep so heavy that it brought them to their wits end so the question I want to ask for you is when you feel that how do you respond are you committed to continuing in this wandering? Are you committed to continuing in rebellion? Are you committed to continuing in kind of just foolish, self-destructive practices and behaviors and desires? Are you committed to continuing your attempt to kind of find control and trying to kind of tame the chaotic waters of these times through your own efforts and your own energy? Are you committed to that? Because what's beautiful about this psalm is Each of these stanzas is kind of met with this moment where they cried out to the Lord. They surrendered. They surrendered. And so that's my question. Are you ready to surrender? God, I can't find my way back home. God, I can't atone for my sin and cleanse myself of guilt. I can't loose the chains. I can't. God, God I, I can't kind of get away from these self-destructive patterns. As much as I know what the right thing is to do, I, I keep being bent towards these other ways of life. God, I, I can't tame the waters. The Murphy's Law of Life is kind of hitting me again and again and again. Stuff goes wrong and it goes wrong again and it goes wrong again. And I, find, I can't tame the waters, I can't. In each of these verses, each of these stanzas, four times, they cried to the Lord. It says they cried to the Lord to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He delivered them from their their destruction. They cried out. That's my question. Are you ready just to cry out and say, God, I need you. I need you. And the way the Lord responds with his redeeming steadfast love is stunning. In each of these instances, he responds by moving towards them to deliver them out of their trouble to bring satisfaction to the hungry, to bring the, the wandering back to a place of home and safety and security and acceptance, to bring the guilty into a place of forgiveness and love and acceptance before the throne of God, to actually bring us into his joy and into his love, to bring the foolish to a place of healing, the bent-hearted desires that we keep running to again and again and again, that he's bringing internal healing into those desires and that affliction to take the people that are experiencing the chaotic waters of life and he speaks calm over the storms, he stills the waves and shows everybody his awesome power and love, his power and his love, his sovereign lordship and his redeeming love. And this is exactly what we see in Jesus, that Jesus enters into this moment of life, not just in history, but even now he is present. He is chasing us down. I think of Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy follow me, chase after me, pursue me all the days of my life so that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is chasing us down to bring us home, to bring us home, to bring us home to his love, to bring us home to his joy, to bring us home to his forgiveness, his acceptance, his peace, his calm, his rest. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the desert, to have these oasis, not through the things we can do, not through the things we can achieve, not through the house projects you wanna do and the relationships you long to reconnect with. He can give you love now in him. He can give you joy now in him. He can give you security now in him. And this is what he came to do. It, It makes me think of the story of the prodigal son, where the son left and went into a far country. And while he's, In this far country with foolish living, rebelling against the love of his father, wasting away, feeling regrets from things he's done. He ends up eating with the pigs, in the pods with the pigs. And he's just eating. He's remembering the goodness of home in this, this country that he's run far, far away from. And he has this longing that awakens within him about the joy of walking with God or walking with his father, being with his father. And he begins to make his way back and the father sees him and the father has compassion on him and the father runs to him. He doesn't make him a second rate citizen. He doesn't tell him all the things he needs to do to clean himself up. He brings the fattened calf. He slaughters the calf. He puts his ring on him and his robe on him and he throws a party because his child came home. And maybe God's right now wanting to run after you. That He sees you. he sees you as you lift up your head and remember where love is. Remember where peace is. Remember where joy is. He sees you and he runs to you. And Jesus laid down his life for you. This is redeeming love. He paid the price to bring you home. He paid the price. His own life, sacrificing his life on the cross, taking the penalty for our rebellion, forgiving us of our sins, washing us, cleansing us, showering us with his redeeming steadfast love to bring us home. And this is an invitation for us to come to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He's the life. He's the bread of life. He's the fountain of living water. He is the one who gives to his beloved rest. And this invitation is extended to you and to me right now. And let's pray and ask God to help us to hear his voice and to receive his redeeming love. Jesus, we need you right now. I feel in my own heart how much I need you right now. so bent towards self-sufficiency to using my own strength or my own self-confidence and to try to forge my way through chaotic waters and I need you I can't I want to surrender But I confess it's hard and I imagine friends in our church family feel the same thing that it's hard it's hard to let go it's hard to trust it's hard to humble ourselves before your power and your love So we need help. Together, we wanna cry to you and say, God, help us. In our distress, in our affliction, in our weariness and wandering, in our guilt and shame, in our anxiety and fear and regrets, would you help us? Remind us of the steadfast love of God. Help us to abide in your love, Jesus, to actually make our home in your love. We pray in Christ's name, amen.